You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. Welcome back to a new episode of 80s Revisited. I keep going, but I just fuck it up as usual. This week we're gonna round, we're gonna finish off in a bad, in the worst way possible. Dirty Harry Callahan. As we talk about the Deadpool, not Deadpool, totally better movie that you should watch instead of this one. Yeah, it's not good. But this released July thirteenth, nineteen eighty eight, the same day as this song, "Cheap Tricks of Flame," was number one, deservedly so. Most people don't know this one, but everybody knows uh, "Want You to Want Me." But this is a far superior song, one of oh, their yeah, best, if you ask me. But also, we finish off the episode on a variety of tangents, including Ghost in the Shell, WrestleMania, Power Rangers, Walking Dead, and a couple of emails coming up next on 80s Revisited. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host... Trey Harris. I always knew that work in homicide would be glamorous. Well, I mean, meeting celebrities. Well, too bad you can't get his autograph. You know, Harry, they always die in threes. Hmm? Haven't you ever noticed? When one celebrity dies, two more always go in a week or two. Well, it's a fact, Harry. Well, we'll find out very shortly because the day we're recording this... Don Rickles has passed away at age 90. So rest in peace, Don Rickles. So celebrities better be on their guard, looking twice before they cross the street next couple weeks, just mm. in case. But anyway, welcome back, everybody, to a new, fresh new episode of Age Visited as we talk about the Deadpool. I'm your host, Trey Harris. With me, as always, the pool to my dead, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And I'm sure somebody might have got excited or you might have stumbled upon this podcast because you probably searched for a podcast about Deadpool, the Marvel <laughs> comic movie. I'm like, oh, what's this? Why do they call it the Deadpool? Well, sorry, but I hope you hopefully you'll stick around and listen to see what we're talking about because it does tie in to the Marvel Comics character, which we we'll get into later on. But yeah, the Deadpool, the fifth and final Dirty Harry movie. Unfortunately, such a legendary character has to go out like this. Mm. But let's get to the who, what, when, where. Uh, released July 13th, 1988. IMDb gives it a generous 6.3. Rotten Tomatoes, 54%, and the audience gives it 45%, which is more in line with my line of thought. Spoiler, uh, 31 million mm. estimated budget. Opened at nine. Opened at number two that week after Coming to America, which was in its third week. Went on domestically to gross 37.9 and another 19 million in rentals. Uh, directed by Buddy Van Horn. I'm not your buddy guy. Uh, any which, he also directed Any Which mm. Way You Can, Pink Cadillac, and he is more so credited on IMDb with a lot of stunt work. Uh, screenplay by Steve Sharon, and that's literally, this is literally the only credit to his name. Uh, rightfully so. Uh, starring Mayor Clint Eastwood at this time, it's Dirty Harry Callahan. Mm. Uh, of course, if you, again, as I mentioned last week, if you don't know who Clint Eastwood is, why don't call yourself a movie buff. Uh, <laughs> Patricia Clarkson is Samantha Walker, uh, Shutter Island, Green Mile, The Untouchables. You've seen her in something. She's a lot of bit, usually like side characters and a lot of things. Uh, surprisingly enough, a pretty stacked cast for this final installment of the Dirty Harry franchise. Liam Neeson as Peter Swan. Of course, Darkman, Qui-Gon Jinn in Star Wars Episode One, The Grey, Taken series, numerous other movies. Fantastic actor. Totally wasted in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With a horribly bad uh, prosthetic hairpiece. Uh, rat tail, to be ex- uh, specific. 
uh, Evan C. Kim as Al. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, I know this guy from something. I cannot for the life of me remember what it was from. But he was Mark Singer's cameraman in the miniseries for V, uh, which also aired in the 80s. <coughs> Excuse me, and also Caveman with Ringo Starr. Uh, David Hunt was Harlan Rook. He was also in Mom's Night Out and lots of TV. Uh, Michael Goodwin was Lieutenant Ackerman. He was most recently in Lincoln and a veteran of the podcast as he was in Rock and Roll High School, which we covered for our first ever request month a long time ago. And he also did a lot of TV. And Jim Carrey, credited in this film as James Carrey, the serious version of Jim, mm-hmm. uh, as Johnny Squares. Of course, Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber. Most notably, in my opinion, and underappreciated in Burt Wonderstone mm. as uh, Chris, uh, was it Chris Gray or something Gray? I don't think it was Chris Gray. Was uh, it Bert Steve Gray? Or what is it right there? Because he, he was riffing on Chris Angel. Steve Gray. Steve Gray. I'm Steve Gray. <laughs> like, I, I do not know why they called that movie Burt Wonderstone. It should have been like Steve Gray. Because that, so, that is classic Jim Carrey in that movie. Uh, if you haven't seen Burt Wonderstone, he, he alone is worth it. Him and Bashimi. Uh, but it's a pretty stereotypical comedy. Right, right. But he makes the movie 110 I can watch it any time because of Jim Carrey. It's about the film. characters, not the story on that one. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Justin Whalen, the, probably the only time you ever hear his name mentioned on this podcast is Jason. Uh, but most notably, I know him from, he was Jimmy Olsen in the TV series Lois and Clark. And the lead in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh. Which if you haven't seen, don't ever watch that movie. Uh, and a cameo by Guns N' Roses. Multiple times in the film, by the way. So, Jesse, we were talking off the air, but to reiterate for our wonderful uh, listeners at home, uh, you have never seen this, but you did watch the first five minutes, which is all cityscape, correct? Right, yeah. Lots of credits, lots of city, and then we get into the story. Which you... And he starts writing his list. Then we're back in the city. city. And that's More when city. I fall asleep. Understandably, he didn't miss much. <laughs> Although we'll get into it a little in a second about the one scene in this film that everybody should watch because it is so ludicrous. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the Deadpool number, or AKA Dirty Harry Five, uh, a horrible ending to what was once, as opposed to the first two films like we talked about last week, a fantastic start to a franchise, and a one of the arguably one of the greatest cinematic characters. Ever, especially, I mean, next, I mean, Eastwood, you know, Harrison Ford has Indiana Jones and Han Solo. Uh, uh, Clint Eastwood has Dirty Harry and The Man With No Name. Uh, very similar in that, but what a horrible end to the character of Harry Callahan to have to be in this movie. And I'm not the only one that thinks that. We'll get into the trivia later. Uh, legendary comic book artist and creator Frank Miller also agrees with me. Mm. Uh, but anyway, yeah. One of the things I touched about last week was how. Dirty Harry 1 through 4, including Sudden Impact, which was last week's film, which was made in 83, if I remember correctly. Still, they, uh, Sudden Impact last week, even though made in the 80s, still felt cohesive with the first three being made in the 70s. It had a look, <coughs> excuse me, everything to a 70s film, just with the tone and just the storytelling and numerous aspects. This one is pretty much total 80s in every form or fashion. There's, mm. is, this is such a disgrace of a film to this character. I can't get over that. Like, just watching, I'm like, um, is this real? Is Clint Eastwood really doing this? Like, how is this not like a comedy? I'm expecting, you know, Jim Carrey's in it. Is he going to bust up being like the, the crazy partner? And it's going to be like, a, you know, <laughs> Clint Eastwood's a straight man to Carrey's comedic performance. But not Jim Carrey overdoses in the first 10 minutes. Which, thankfully, because it is, this film has the worst lip-syncing performance ever put to film by Jim Carrey. Lip-syncing, Welcome to the Jungle. 
Oh. Which is why Guns N' Roses, there's Axel right there watching the, the uh, funeral scene for Jim Carrey's character, Johnny Squares. Mm-hmm. Horrible rock personality name, too. I mean, even uh, Gibson Rickenbacker was better than St- uh, Johnny Squares. Of course, we haven't seen the Cyborg episode. <laughs> but yeah, uh, now let's talk about the main attraction here. I'm watching this like, God, I just can't believe Eastwood and Neeson are in this. And this is such, this is so bad. Like, there's nothing here. It's just straight up Dirty Harry in an 80s television show for the most part. But then there's this scene, and they set it up earlier, to where this guy gets killed by a car bomb that the villain does with a remote, an RC car. Mm. Drives the little RC. And the thing is, they try to fool you, and horribly so. I'm like, why are they showing a close-up of an RC car? Like, it's a close-up to make you think that you're looking at a real car driving, and then it zooms out, out, out. Oh, it's a... No, no. It's blatant from, like... I'm like, what, why, is there, why is this close-up on a miniature? Surely the budget wasn't that cheap. No, it didn't, didn't fool me. Not that I'm saying that's a big thing or anything, but it's, it's so silly how they try to get you, because this, this is a stuntman directing. Granted, there's stuntmen that directed John Wick, and look at the difference. Mm-hmm. There's, there's talented directors, and there's bad directors. Uh, but anyway... So they set up that this killer, who you think for the entire film is Liam Neeson because of the bad rat tail hair prosthetic he has in the back of his head, uh, and this dude's totally aping his style, Liam Neeson's character. Spoiler alert, it's not Liam Neeson. Uh, but anyway, so he blows up this one guy. Well, then Harry's and his partner are in the car, and they re- Harry realizes that RC car, he found a little tire at the scene of the first bombing. He's like, hmm, that's odd. That's not part of this car. Mm. But then he's sitting in this car, and they see he sees an RC car come towards him, and all of a sudden he puts it together. It's a bomb in the RC car. <laughs> Instead of getting out of the car and running away, we proceed to have a 7- to 10-minute car chase where one of the vehicles is Dirty Harry speeding through the streets of San Francisco, hitting ramps, 90 to nothing, through the streets, being pursued by an RC car. And... The even even more absurd. You're what? This is it. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. It's it's done so straight. Like where there's even a stare down with Clint Eastwood staring down a remote control car that is fast enough to keep up with them. It's ludicrous. It is so. I'm. I'm <laughs> the zoom in to put it together. I'm rolling, laughing at this. Like at home, just like I can't believe I'm seeing this. This is so. Ludicrous to go from did he fire five shots or six? <laughs> you feel lucky, punk, to there's a remote control car after us. And I mean, this car is zoom like, and also the dude has the, the guy villain, has to drive at the same yeah, time. Yeah, he has to he has to chase Eastwood in a real car while driving a remote control car to stay in range. It's one of the most ludicrous scenes the guy I've ever have given seen up a, a while back. Yeah, be like, I mean, look, oh, the jig is up. <laughs> now, of course, the first thing that comes to my mind is how is it, there's no way an RC car could keep up with a real car. There's no reason. However, I'm going to jump to the trivia. Uh, despite, no, I think you're good. It just has to be really well made. No one's going to spend that money on a bomb car. This is 1988, <laughs> though. Uh, or, I mean, well. you know, there's even kids, they set up the scene to where he doesn't get to blow up Dirty Harry to surprise him because some other kids are playing with an RC car, and it's... Uh, Oh, this is the, watch this. An RC car is going down the street, the sidewalk, and people are diving out of the way like it's a real car. <laughs> See, the, whoa, look oh, out. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's an RC car. This is not Toy Story. This right. is a dirty, hairy movie. You kicked that motherfucker. This is a scene that would be more in play. 
Thankfully, there's a ramp there. Oh my god. This this is a scene that would be more that would fit better in a Deadpool movie, right? Than a dirty, hairy movie. This is so ludicrous. But anyway, as I was saying, jump to the trivia. The RC car was equipped with an eight cell, eight point eight point four volt in SID battery, not the race regulation six cell, seven point two volt that like race racing RC cars use. So, but actually enough, the bomb car outpaced the Oldsmobile on numerable occasions, forcing the scene to be reshot several times. Therefore, the bomb was not driven at its full pace until the part was about to be detonated. So, yes, this is fe- you know if we were on Myth- MythBusters, myth confirmed. <laughs> yeah. However, that doesn't change the fact that you're watching an elderly, hardened detective yeah. race through the streets of San Francisco in fear from a remote-controlled car. Mm-hmm. It is stupid. He's an accurate shot. He could have just taken it out. Yeah, I mean, they've established the fact that he can hit, you know, yeah. <laughs> intentionally. Like, he's, he's a hell of a shot. Yeah. Like, why didn't he just pull over, pow, and take yep. it out? Oh, so stupid. Out. <laughs> so, I mean, look, look at this. There's, I'm sorry. Like, oh, jeez. It, it catches up to it. It's like Mario Kart. He's in last place. So he's, and it's on two wheels too. I mean, it's. Yep. Oh my god. And that's and I have to give the director one point. This scene is ludicrous, but he shot it like a real car chase. In terms of like, you get the shot of Eastwood going over the ramp, and then you get the dramatic shot of the RC There's, car going off. I mean, what people use today is they add music. There's no music on yeah. this or anything or and anything that. Raise the tension. Yeah, and this is 88. And then here's oh, the stare geez. down. Come on. I mean, this scene alone, I was that's, like, okay. That's when he sticks his hand out of the car. Yeah, and, and blows it, it away. Make yeah. my day. Yeah. And it shoots it. Oh, there's our music. For the, you know, as this RC car is menacingly creeping up on him. So dumb. Absolutely stupid. So, yeah, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> this is. It's a horrible send-off to a character who was established, in, especially in the first two films. And honestly, the first four, to where they, you know, this is, this is where it jumps the shark. Like, I, I talked last week how the end of uh, Sudden Impact was completely out of character for Dirty Harry to let a murderer go. That's not, that's out of character. Don't this one, <laughs> yeah, the car blows up, he... I don't know. I don't understand this. Harry inches forward, and the, when it blows up, so it just blows up part of the car. It made part, more sense if he hit the reverse. Yeah, or something. But also, or the engine block takes the hit. Honestly, they have to have an excuse because it is a trope in every Dirty Harry film, except there was uh, one of them. He doesn't have a partner. I think maybe the second. No, the second one he had a partner. Uh, it was the last one. Sudden Impact. That was the only one where he doesn't have a partner. No, he did have a partner. Hold on. There's. Yeah, it's bad luck to have. Yeah, be you, a you don't you don't be his partner. But it seems like there was one where he didn't. I'm trying to go back. The first Write it one. in. 80s revisited. Yeah, remind me because I'm not rewatching any of them except the first one. <laughs> uh, first we had that. So then back to the the black guy because they went and hunted down his partner to kill him in the last one. Mm. This one he does. The first one he got injured. The third one it was Tyne Daly and she got killed. Spoiler alert. Saved just some time there. Yeah. Okay. He had a partner in every one of them. Just in every one of them, his partner gets killed, except this one and the first one, where they just get injured. Right. So they had to have a reason for the part, the trope, the Dirty Harry trope for the partner to get taken out. Mm. But yeah. Uh, bottom line, if you if you have if you if you're a fan of Dirty Harry and you haven't seen this one, don't bother. It will it will leave a bad taste in your mouth for the character. We'll get into the more of that later. But as as a film, just as this one, worst one by far. Mm. This is just a bad movie. And 
you know, a movie, you have Liam Neeson and Clint Eastwood and, and a, uh, let's see, what was it, a $31 million budget? Excuse me, you could have made a hell of a film. Mm-hmm. Which would, just with that, just have Eastwood be your protagonist and make, write it into where Neeson is your villain. Boom. Yeah. I'm there. Just on those names alone. Instead, and the the plot isn't bad. I mean, the the Deadpool relates to a fact that there's a, and there this is a real thing. There are actually Deadpool's. You know, so, some people think it's morbid, but I mean, it's some people actually bet on it. Uh, it's basically you know what you bet on what the, who the next celebrity to die is, mm-hmm. and that's why it's called the Deadpool. And you, you, uh, there's you know, and I'm sure somewhere in Vegas, people are making money on this. Who are picked Don Rickles today? You got your payday. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure the odds weren't too great on him, though. Yeah. Uh, so it is a real thing, and it, it makes an interesting story. You know, who like a, who who is it? Who's doing this? Blah blah blah. The core story here isn't bad, but the execution and half the acting is piss poor and complete late '80s garbage. Bottom line. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's get on with the rest of the trivia and get this moving to some happier things. Uh, reportedly, when Jim Carrey came into audition for Eastwood. Uh, he didn't do one. He didn't do a scene. He, his uh, audition wasn't a scene from the film. Instead, he did his Vegas Elvis Presley act, which cracked up Eastwood so much that that's how he got the job. So he got the job being Jim Carrey, right? For this movie, which seems yeah. although, he talked out of his butt. Although, uh, <laughs> if you watch anything, Jesse, watch that you haven't seen the the lip sync part because it looks like a scene. Honestly, when I'm watching, I'm like, is this skip to in living color? Because it looks like an in living color skit. <laughs> Because it's so over the top and silly. Uh, but anyway, uh, the car chase sequence, which we just got through ripping, was inspired by one uh, was inspired by the Steve McQueen car chase in Bullet in 1968. There was an intention to top that car chase with this film. No, you can't. <laughs> if you haven't seen Bullet, the car chase is fantastic. Still, really great uh, old school style car chase. Uh, but yeah, you can't capture that same type of feel when they're out running the, when it's a car chase between a car and an RC car. Doesn't work. This is the start of it. Uh, Jesse, what you're watching here. And, a, and according to Clint Eastwood, this, this is what blows my mind. It's his favorite sequence <laughs> of this movie was the car chase. Oh, wow. And really? It, and it took a week and a half to shoot. Arguably the longest sequence to shoot in this film was that car chase. Uh, as compared and contrast to this sequence we're watching now, which had to be the first take, first and only take they did of this, because I can't imagine this was the best take. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so silly. I mean, you know, why didn't they just get Axel? They have the Guns N' Roses on set. Have him just have Axel sing. You know, and then... I mean, it, everybody knows that isn't Axel. But I mean, it's better than this parody <laughs> that's happening. It's terrible. Uh, again, it's just... You know, it this does a, feel like a living color skin. <laughs> I mean, his dancing is it's, it's like, it's worse than Stallone and Rhinestone dancing. Not that I've seen him dance in Rhinestone, but if he does dance in that movie, this is worse. I'll put money on it. Uh, <laughs> but let's see. Uh, this was the only Dirty Harry movie not to feature Albert, Albert Popwell. Uh, who's that, you might ask? Well, he was a robber in the original Dirty Harry, a pimp in Magnum Force, a militant in The Enforcer, and Horace King in Sudden Impact. He wasn't available to a, due to a scheduling conflict with Madonna hit Who's That Girl? So uh, that's just more so really deep, dirty, hairy trivia. Not so much anything necessarily important. Uh, initially, the city of San Francisco didn't give him permission to film because in the city 
simply because uh, there were pr- actual, big surprise, protests this day and age from citizens who thought that the Harry Callahan character was not a good representative of the city. Which, again, we talked about this last week, is that until the last scene of uh, Sudden Impact, he was a cop, he was a by-the-book cop, just, I mean, a little more violent on his methods, but still within the bounds of the law. Collateral damage, better word to put it. Uh, not to reference the horrible Schwarzenegger film, but mm. uh, but regardless, they got permission to film the Dirty Harry franchise is a San Francisco franchise. He's a cop in San Francisco, so they, I mean, in this day and age, in that day and age, I should say, I don't think there was any way they wouldn't have gotten it. I mean, I don't imagine the protests were so it's so big that it was national news to where they cowered and said, "Oh, we're not going to do it. We'll relocate it somewhere else." But anyway, uh, as I mentioned at the start when I was announcing Mayor Clint Eastwood, he was, in fact, mayor of Carmel, California when filming this. It was the third and last film that he made during his mayoral term. The other two were Heartbreak Ridge in 86 and Bird in 1988. Uh, It was the the least successful of all the Dirty Harry films, rightfully so, although it still made a shit ton of money. Uh, And I mentioned the tie-in to the actual comic book character Deadpool earlier, too. Rob Liefeld admitted that the title of this film is the inspiration for the name of the character Deadpool. So, there you go. There's your tie-in. He's, and me and my friend Jason, when we were kids, we would do this all the time. There was a bookstore, a secondhand bookstore in Walker where we lived. When we were in junior high drawing and creating our own comics. And we would go to the bookstore, and it was all these old, old paperbacks. It's, the store smelled awesome because it was old books. Mm. Old, that old book smell that, you know... Some people know what I'm talking about. Some don't even know what a book is these days. Uh, a real book, I should you say. You mean a Kindle, right? No, no. Oh, you mean that? Ele- yeah, I love that that electronic smell. I'm sniffing yeah. my phone right now. It's so good. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we would go there and we would see like we go to the science fiction section. We'd see like you know, uh, I'm trying to th- you know, uh, Alien War Zone. I'm like, oh, War Zone. That's a cool name for a character. We'd write it down. Uh, and then we would go back and we would design characters based on these names that we got from you know combining book names. Like maybe there was. Uh, a movie called or a book called Space Gator, and then there was another mo- a book that was uh, Laser Aliens from the Planet Mars or whatever. Laser, Laser Gator, Laser Gator. That's a character. We never had, we never had anything that cheesy. I'm just giving you an example. Right. So, but again, I'm just relating it to what Life was doing here. Uh, the Deadpool, Deadpool. That that's a cool character. And then he pretty much draws Spider Man and mm. gives him guns, and then you have Deadpool. Who, if you any comic book fans, uh, stick around for next episode. Uh, but also, uh, Deadpool wasn't anything like he was in his first iteration. Like if you read like the New Mutants '98, I think was his first appearance, and then early X Force, he was a little wise cracking, but he, nothing, no fourth wall breaking like he used to be, or uh, excuse me, is now. I mean that character, Liefeld created him by taking the name of this movie and ripping off the look of Spider Man. But then other creators over time made him what he is. And such a genre-breaking character almost with his, you know, talking to the camera type things. Uh, reader, I should say, not the camera. But all that was much later in, the, in how Deadpool was. Because he was just Spider-Man. He, again, he started off Spider-Man with guns. That's all he was. And then he became so much more. Mm. Uh, so that's your uh, Rob Liefeld moment. And like... Uh, if you're bored, or if you remember the 90s, not the 80s, because this was 90s when this happened with Image and everything, early 90s, I should say, uh, just go look up like the 10 best Rob Liefeld, or 10 worst Rob Liefeld uh, 
illustrations. Some great stuff there on the web because he's. I like his style because it's so unique, but it is not nowhere near anatomically correct or it's no Jim Lee or Mark Silvestri or any of the classic comic book writers. But anyway, uh, this, as I mentioned before, this was the fifth and last Dirty Harry movie, at least that Clint Eastwood would star in. Now, this, this should have happened, in my opinion, with some tweaking. There was speculation on the web and in the media, which turned out to be false, that in 2008 there was going to be a sixth and final Dirty Harry movie. Mm. You might be thinking, 2008, what came out? Oh, Gran Torino. Yeah. Which, just take out the racist aspect of his character, <laughs> and it that would have been a fantastic ending to the Dirty Harry character. That would have put a nice bow on it for that character. There's still room for it. Yeah. He's still walking. <laughs> but he's not going to, they're not going to do another one. Right. I mean, and I hate reboots. I hate, let me phrase that, I hate most reboots because they don't, do them right. Mm. But this is a franchise with the right people behind it. You know, put Eastwood back in the director chair. Let him reboot the franchise he helped make famous. Yeah. You know, we could do another Dirty Harry and you can call it Dirty Harry and it could be a re- it could be a reboot because he doesn't have to, you don't follow the same pattern of him hunting down the Scorpio killer, aka the Zodiac killer because that's what it was based on in the first one. Just come up with an original story to where that character can exist. Let Eastwood direct it and let's start it again. I would be interested in that. This is a franchise that could use it, especially because the Deadpool is a horrible way to leave a character, mm. a cinematic character like this. Uh, and to prove further on that uh, Eastwood is not going to make another one, a direct quote, Dirty Harry uh, 6, Harry is retired. He's standing in a stream fly fishing. He gets tired of using the pole and badoom. Or Harry is retired and he catches bad guys with his walker, question mark. He doesn't want to do it. He's not going to star in it, ever. It's not going to happen. However, again... Let's get some new talent in there, put him on the camera, and let's roll with it. it mm. Regardless, it's going to be pretty to look at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the work, you know, in, at least. Uh, but uh, let's see. Uh, Buddy Van Horn, was, he was a friend and colleague of Eastwood's, and yeah, he was chosen to direct by Eastwood because uh, Eastwood knew that he would shoot it fast, which Eastwood prefers, and they carried on their working relationship from Pink Cad- uh, onto Pink Cadillac, which Horn did and directed him again. So Eastwood likes it, you know, an offic- a, a quick director in terms to get it done. However, this dude wasn't the best, obviously. Mm. Uh, and, or, and to tie it into our good friends in Tasmania, Ben Wyatt, uh, in Australia, this was the first Dirty Harry movie not to be 18, I don't know if this is correct, Ben, so let me know, 18 certificated. Uh, we would just say certified here. I'm not sure if it's just a typo or if there's different... Uh, jargon down there, uh, known in this territory as the R Certificate. The movie got an M rating, rec- which is in Australia recommended for persons 15 years and over. Since that time, however, Dirty Harry 1971 has now been rated on DVD with the new lower rating of MA15+, which is mature adults restricted to persons 15 and over. All the other three films still remain R rated on DVD. So Ben, if you can make some sense of that, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end, when Harry has Rook cornered, he says, you're out of bullets. This is a reference to the classic Do You Feel Lucky, which that the last exchange in this film, perfect screenwriting because it ties back to the original. The, like the last line of this film should have been in a better movie because it's so because stu- everything leading up to the end of this film is so ludicrous and stupid. And watch, watch what he shoots him with here, Jesse. Does it shoot him with the classic Magnum? No, they established this giant harpoon gun, which Slash of GNR shoots earlier. Watch this dramatic reveal. It's like RoboCop. He walks out of the mist with this giant fucking harpoon gun and shoots this dude. It's so dumb. But anyway, uh, this was also the last sequel that Eastwood ever made. 
Okay. Oh, oh, he's coming out of the mist. Badass, Clint, uh, Dirty Harry. Oh wait, what the fuck? <laughs> what has he got? It's again. This movie should have been Clint Eastwood and Jim, with Jim Carrey as his partner teaming up against Liam Neeson. You're shit out of luck. The dude is holding a gun and doesn't shoot. <laughs> so stupid. It's so dumb. God. Like, this character deserves so much more than this. Although, this line is great. That thing's huge. It's cartoony. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah, something it's Bob, Yosemite Sam would, or the Coyote would pull out to take out the Roadrunner. So dumb. And here's the, the callback. He doesn't say it. I thought he said it, but maybe he doesn't. Uh, what did he say? I thought he said you're out of bullets. Oh, that but was he, earlier. Okay. Yeah. But but again, it's because he knew, because he pulled that bluff in the original Dirty Harry. It's a callback. It makes sense. It ties right. it together. However, all of the and total Arnold line. He's hanging, he's out, hanging back out back there. there. <laughs> it's so bad. God. It's just like, it's sad. It's truly sad that a cinematic legend of a character goes out with this. This is their swan song. Right. Terrible. Horrible. But anyway, uh, and in fact, I mentioned I'm not the only one that thought that. Frank Miller, in fact, uh, he he's a big Dirty Harry fan, which we'll also talk about next week in our comic book episode. But uh, he hated this movie so much, he went and then wrote Sin City, That Yellow Bastard, to be a Dirty Harry story. Mm. So which if, if you've seen the movie Sin City, one of the stories in there is That Yellow Bastard. Right. Uh, and that's basically, the comic book version at least, is inspired by uh, Frank Miller's reaction to this film being complete and utter dog shit. <laughs> so, a lot of comic book tie-ins to this <laughs> this franchise with Frank Miller being a big fan and thus inspired to do Sin City. And then also Rob Liefeld stealing the name of this film to create Deadpool. So, body count, Jesse. I know you didn't watch it all, but would you care to take a guess? Just sort of throw it out there. Let's go with... 23. Little too high. Oh. Price is right rules you lost. Oh. 14. Oh wow. Yeah, uh, Score-wise, I'd give it a 4. It's bad. It's not even bad good. Mm. It's just I never want to watch this again. I will tell people to like like we, you know, the car chase scene is ludicrous. It's hilariously bad, but don't watch the movie. Mm. It's it's and if if you're a dirt again, if you're a dirty hairy fan, skip it. Don't watch it. Let sudden impact be <laughs> the end, where he compromises his morals instead of he becomes he jumps the shark like Fonzie and totally screws over the character <laughs> in this film. But uh, back to the future this week, uh, just a dirty hairy wrap up before we get on to what we've been watching and playing and everything. Uh, just to give you a breakdown of the series. Uh, dirty Harry, the original 1971, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, seven kills. Magnum Force followed it in two years later, 80%. On uh, Rotten Tomatoes as well, 30 fatalities in that movie. Not all by Harry, but just totally. Uh, the Enforcer was Dirty Harry 3, 1976. 78 on Rotten Tomatoes, 13 kills. Uh, Sudden Impact in 83, which we covered last week. Fit, notice the drop-off from 78% to 56% mm. on Rotten Tomatoes. 18 kills. And then finally, unfortunately, The Deadpool, 1988, 52%, 14 kills. Uh, definitely, they all get worse. Uh, Dirty Harry is the best. The second one's second best. The Enforcer, I would say, is worse than Sudden Impact. I like that one better than The Enforcer. The Enforcer was just boring. Uh, really, no, you know, just slow burn, nothing pertinent there. So if, if, you're, if you've seen just the first one or, you, you know, or if, you know, uh, 
you're interested in watching the franchise, I would not recommend watching all of them. I would watch Dirty Harry and Magnum Force, leave it at that, and then just YouTube the diner scene of Sudden Impact to watch the Go Ahead and Make My Day line, and then mm-hmm. you're done with Dirty Harry. You've seen the best. Let it stay like that in your <laughs> mind, and your you know, let it become a sense of Americana and that it was great and fantastic, and it didn't die a horrible death in a pool that this film was. It's just a sh- again, I can't mention that enough. It was just, it's really just a shame when you look when you go, when I think back about how amazing the first one was and how the the equivalent of a cinematic badass that Clint Eastwood was. Yeah, and it is always. I mean, he's he is great in this film, but what he's doing is ludicrous. This it should have been a Jim Carrey movie with Eastwood <laughs> as a straight man. I, I'm telling you, mm-hmm. it would have it would have been a more enjoyable movie. <clears throat> Excuse me, but yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for the Dirty Harry franchise for us, as this is the last movie and the last one, obviously in the '80s as well. Uh, let us know what you think about Dirty Harry. '80s Revisited at gmail.com at '80s Revisited on Twitter. Uh, email at '80s Revisited at gmail. I think I said that. Uh, Facebook uh, at Awesome Pods. All that stuff. Leaders review on iTunes. Let us know. Make our day. Yes. Uh, and everything. But uh, I haven't seen too many movies. I did watch, which I'll talk about mainly, uh, when I saw Ghost in the Shell, which has bombed at the box office, aside mm-hmm. from getting my $14, which... Does it deserve it? No. Absolutely not. It was good. It, w- it wasn't... It was, it was okay. It's worth seeing. Put it okay. to you that way. It's not, it's not a terrible movie. Uh, <clears throat> in fact, Autumn, my wife, loved it. Wow. She was like, that movie was awesome. I'm like, really? I, I was absolutely <laughs> shocked. She was like, oh, I was so good. Why is it getting panned? I'm like, I don't know. Now, let me now let me start off by saying, it's it, if you like the anime from back in the day, which it was never one of my favorite ones, but I liked it, and it was it's still, I watched it, I just revisited it last night myself, because so, Autumn never saw it, obviously, just so she could tell me what she thought of it, and she ended up staring at her phone most of the time. Uh because the original <clears throat> animated one, in terms of animation techniques, is still gorgeous and beautiful, and it was a landmark film for its time. Nowadays, animation's obviously made leaps and bounds since 95, I think is when it came out. So, you know, it, it looks like, you know, it doesn't look... It was, it's not impactful if you watch it now, mm. the original. But at the time, when your animation was He-Man, and, you know, uh, there were other anime films where it was, you know, more that 2D... I say 2D in terms of, you know, you have your static painted background, your kid, there's animated things happening over it. Traditional animation, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, all that kind of stuff. Disney animated films. Yeah. Ghost in the Shell added, you know, crossfade, I mean... Uh, focus pulls. Uh, uh, focus pulls, force perspectives, all sorts of yeah. uh, 3D camera things to a 2D animated movie. Yeah. Uh, story-wise, the original... You have to pay attention and you have to understand that there are things that you're not going to, they're going to just talk. Yeah. And you just, all you need to do is just keep up and you'll get the gist. Now that, therein lies where the American one falls apart. It not, doesn't fall apart, but it's a perfect example. You, in fact, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the franchise, watch, I don't care which order you watch them in, watch the ScarJo one. Which, uh, by the way, fantastic soundtrack by Clint Mansell. Which, for some reason, the 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 music album, in terms of like music inspired by the movie, is out. But the soundtrack of the music from the movie is not out, which pisses me off because I, I, I once we left out, I immediately went to iTunes like I want the soundtrack right now, mm. and it was just music inspired. So that didn't work for me. 
<laughs> I got it. I, got, I didn't pay for it. Let me tell you that. And there, but let me say there is an amazing cover of "Enjoy the Silence" by Depe- uh, the Depeche Mode song, tied in the '80s, on the music inspired by the film. I think it was in the trailer too, if I remember correctly. Mm. But uh, anyway, the, this is a perfect example of how they dumb down a plot and over explate like the movie and like what's going on to an American audience. Uh, oh, there you go. First huge review on. Uh, was IMDb? Yeah. Ghost in the Shell for Dummies. That is exactly <laughs> right. In fact, our friend Ben in Tasmania watched it, and the first thing he put on there was take a shot every time they say the word ghost. 110%. In the first five minutes of the film, they have to explain to you multiple times what Ghost in the Shell means. Mm. As opposed to if you just watch it, you'll get what the hell they're saying. <laughs> it's very simple. It's not some deep concept here. But there's like, her ghost is her soul in her body, which is a shell. And this is repeated multiple times. Like, <laughs> like God damn. Like, they're, like they, they hammered it in once, and they're just beating that nail into the wood. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, over-exposition exp- of every like philosophical idea that this series has. And this was a uh, comic book, a manga in Japan before it was a movie. So the movie's an, the uh, anime is an adaptation of the manga, and it has since spawned a sequel movie, which has nothing to do with the original, except I think uh, one of the characters is in it, but it's pretty much like not canonical with the first one. And then there's multiple OVAs, uh, Standalone Complex, Standalone Complex 2. So there's a whole world there, and I've always loved the aesthetic of Ghost in the Shell, and the movie captures that pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to complain that ScarJo's wearing a bodysuit instead of being buck naked like in the anime, because right. this is... Is it, yeah, there's the other thing. It, they, it's, they went PG-13 with it, which obviously didn't help its box office, which is the reason yeah. they went PG-13 to begin with, with an R-rated franchise in Japan, uh, because it's fucking gory, the anime. When you, I mean, bodies exploding when they get shot. With, I mean, it's, it's violent. It's, it's cyberpunk. It's, it's a 90s Blade Runner in terms of a, 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 a noir tech feel to it. Uh, the film, they again, I've always I've said this before, they, uh, you know, when, when you're ad- adapting something that's animated, you, there's your storyboards. You know, yeah. you don't really, there's half the work's done for you. Same, I said the same thing with Watchmen. Talk about that again next week when we talk about comic books of uh, the 80s. Uh, and there, there are shots here on Watchmen, like that's straight out of the anime. Haven't seen the anime since early 2000s. You know, when I watched it last night, it was the first time in years. Because mm-hmm. you don't, it's not something you need to rewatch. I mean, there's iconic scenes that I'm like, I, I was like, and my, I didn't tell Autumn because I want to spoil things for him. Like, I know this is going to be in here. And sure enough, anybody who's seen the anime knows the iconic scenes from it, and they fit them all in the movie. That's so good, was like, though. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, but the movie is not bad. Uh, it's, it's decent. It's, uh, it's bombing. I don't know if it's bombing because of the controversy, which I don't see how that would have hurt it that much. But What's the controversy? That Scarlett Johansson's playing oh, Kusanagi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, if anybody's watched the original, read any of the manga, her, she's in like a body that fits like that's different because of reasons. Right. Which I'm not going to spoil that if you want to see the movie or anything. Because called this is, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's her brain is you know, and that's what the whole philosophical point of this series is. What are you if you're in, if if that's all you are inside this? Are you any different from a computer program? How are you different from a human? There's all these aspects that are intrinsic to this series that saying it's a, a case of whitewashing, again, I'm sorry that 
you you are you're right that it you know I I agree I wish they could have found an Asian actress to do it. However, it wouldn't have even made this much at the box office. Yeah, I guarantee it. But I mean, I guess the trolls won for this one. It mm. does not deserve. Uh, see, look, IMDb is at a six point nine. That's a good score in my opinion on IMDb. Yeah. For the most, like, if I, if I don't know a movie, but I, I look at it and I see that's you know like a six point nine, and I have any remote interest in it, I'll give it a, that. That's a plus in my book if it's anything over a six. To, that it's there's some there might be something there. Uh, so it's completely hmm. undeserving of all this hate and everything. It's still got a long way to go. Yeah, what was the budget? One ten. One ten. It looks made it twenty so far. I mean, and foreign markets always get you there. Yeah, and, and I imagine it'll be big in Japan. Yeah. And also, when the creator of the series says, I don't see a problem with her playing it, and then we still want to, and I say yeah. we, and I don't mean our, any of our faithful listeners and us ourselves, but people want to make a, a big deal out of something they know nothing about. It's the same thing with this controversy over the Bioware developer who's like bla- makes all these racist remarks against white people. How people are like, oh, you should bo- boycott Mass Effect Andromeda, which you should boycott it because it's just not as good as the other games oh, in the series. But, Internet's hating on that right now. What? Internet's hating on that game right now. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's sad. Which we, we talked about it last week, so we'll get on that tangent. But I mean, mm-hmm. to compare it, I mean, there's this one guy at Bioware who makes these tweets, which you should he, he is wrong for making them because racism is racism, no matter who's it against. But don't boycott the series that hundreds of people are working on because of this one part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this you know, you're boycotting the movie because ScarJo's in it. Instead, like, do you, first of all, it's just like Last Temptation of Christ, tied in the 80s. People were protesting, we had no idea what it was about. <laughs> and now, like, it's considered, like, a very religious, like, spiritual movie by many of the pundits who hated it before it came out, and then they actually watched it because of what the movie's actually saying. Case in point, people are idiots. <laughs> Ex- <laughs> Mic drop, we're done. But yeah, uh, if, if you like uh, science fiction, you could do a whole lot worse. Uh, it was pretty. Oh, in, for sure. It was pretty. Uh, all the everything was, uh, you know, visually it looked good. Uh, there, uh, it could have been. Takashi was in it. Uh, my favorite part. Uh, every time he, uh, I'm, okay, it's not a spoil. Okay, s- slight spoiler. Some people might think. Every time he killed somebody, I was like, "Don't get eliminated." <laughs> well, I didn't scream it in the theater because there were people there, but I kept right. whispering to Autumn, "Like, don't get eliminated." Every time he busted a cap in somebody, but. Uh, it's it's not bad. It doesn't. It's completely undeserving. It's a. It is. It is really sad that a new franchise like this that does, despite the overexposition, uh, but was and well acted, well made. Again, the score was phenomenal. It looked good, even though the directors I don't like him. Uh, anything he's done previously, I should say. Uh, but it's again. It, I don't. I don't. I think it's pretty easy to make a, a live action version of this film because you have the blueprint. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, lots of blueprints. It's a shame that Transformers: The Last Night's going to make like two hundred million dollars, yeah. and this is might not even make fifty domestically. Yeah. Probably won't make fifty domestically. I think that's a pretty much certainty overseas. So the only thing that's going to help this out. It's a shame. Then you know, it just blows my mind. What and if <laughs> Fast and the Furious twenty seven or whatever they're on is going to you know, dominate, and this isn't going to even get a break. It's sad. Just a shame. Not that I'm. I mean, I am going to see the new Fast and the Furious, but from the comfort of my home right, and right, the, right. through the power say. of uh, our matey uh, type means, because it's, that franchise has never gotten a dime of my money for a good <laughs> fucking reason, because it is shit. Now, if they would actually just say like, 
we've given you superpowers. Okay, now you made it a superhero movie? This is acceptable. Yeah. These they people only work are, with cars. These people are hackers and car drivers, and they're like, oh, it's so dumb. But anyway, that's a whole other tangent as well. Yes. Uh, but to wrap up this Back to the Future segment, we're now post-WrestleMania. Jesse, uh, I know you watched yes. it. My biggest, and we talked about it last week. Uh, my biggest question for you, Jesse, is how long did Melissa cry when The Undertaker retired? Um, she was mostly upset at the match. Oh, I was too. Yeah, the match was pretty pathetic. Oh, well, like, um, uh, well just so you know, because we didn't talk about this before, but uh, my, my parents were in town. That was their last day here. We went out and ate. But when we got home, I immediately went and resubscribed to the network so <laughs> I could watch it live so nothing got spoiled. Uh, so I, I came in right... Unfortunately, like uh, by the time I got everything logged on and it, it's loading it up, it was the match. It was the end of the ladder match with the Hardys, nice. right, right before the Hardys. So I didn't know they had come out yet. Yeah, I'm watching the ladder match. And they were out of the ring, and all of a sudden they jump in, like, "Oh, what the show? The Hardys are back!" <laughs> now I looked on like one of my Facebook pages Pretty I cool follow, intro too, yeah. and I went back and watched that awesome pop. Yeah, like great, excellent job of the WWE selling it that the New Day were the next ones. Yeah, like oh, I guess they're yeah, the, slowly taking off, and their then hats like. And stuff. But then you hear delete, delete. You know, yeah. The crowd, the crowd didn't have it, and then no, they that hard, they hit that hearty music. I was like, hell yeah, like, yeah, awesome. And I will be perfectly honest with you: the fact that they're back in WWE is the only thing that keeps me interested in wrestling mm. now that Taker's done. Yeah, that like, uh, I'm like, well, you ain't got to watch anymore. I'm like, sorry, babe, the Hardys are back. <laughs> I watch, I watch it for the Hardys. They but, haven't uh, gotten, they haven't given them mics yet. I guess right. they're waiting to see what they can do yeah, legally I mean, if he's like, going to be broken or not. Like they fought Monday and you know, they haven't given them the mics to do anything yet. You know, you'd think they'd, I mean, they, they have the mic skills. Yeah. Give unequivocally. It to so I'm wondering what they're waiting on with that because they were on the, like the after show and that, but they were out of character in that. They yeah. were just speaking as broke. K fobbing. Yeah. K fob, however you pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, I didn't care for any of the matches, aside from that. Speaking of Melissa bringing her husband a Snickers bar. You're just not yourself, Jesse. Do you eat a Snickers? I guess not. But uh, we're talking about WrestleMania, Melissa, so I'm sorry for your loss. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. You're off mic. They can't hear you. It's annoying to the listeners. But anyway, (laughs) because I came in on like the Cena whatever match that was done. Like, I didn't care. Oh, there was no, yeah, everybody I'm sure there was a story in. there, but I don't... I got there wasn't of, much of I one. I thought they were already married. No. So, we no. talked about this last week, but then uh, the Goldberg-Lesnar match was pretty good. It was enjoyable. It lasted longer than three minutes, or two minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it I, lasted like three and a half minutes. Yeah, a little bit longer, but Lesnar <laughs> got his number, so... Uh, and I knew the backstory with that one, so it was entertaining. Like I didn't know who was going to win. Like, oh, what's going to oh, happen? I mean, we did we did the uh, thing that we read off last week. Yeah. And uh, Melissa and I did that, and I beat her by far. But we both said Lesnar on that because you mm. know, obviously. Well, then I, I think I again I don't have I can't watch Raw till like a day or two later because of Hulu, and I haven't right. watched the one from post WrestleMania because all, all the stuff was is on my news feed on Facebook and everything. So Goldberg did kind of like come out and say that he's kind of done for now, his runs. Um, he did that after they went off the air. So it's not on Hulu. Okay. You have to go on it's the network, network. Okay. Well, which is fine. Because after I still have they it went off month. the air, the show keeps going, then Goldberg comes out. Okay. I'll check that out there. Yeah. So, but he is done for now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's okay. done. Which is, I'm glad they gave him a run. I mean, yeah. That, that's awesome. Uh, now, again, the reason I 
when I, I knew the Undertaker match was gonna be had to be last or something. I knew it wasn't gonna. I knew yeah. I wouldn't have missed it when I got home. So I was like, okay, just. <sighs> and again, <laughs> I don't watch it week to week. Yeah, but I do not like Roman Reigns. Now, let a lot me, of people don't. Let me rephrase that. I don't like. I don't like him. I don't think he's a bad wrestler. I don't think he's bad in anything that he does. I don't like the fact that they push him so hard. Yeah, that's why a lot of people. You don't. can't in wrestling. You can't do that unless the crowd's with you. In WWE, right. like Daniel Bryan, I mean, it took him what, like three years with, and he had he had the crowd in the palm of his hand before he yeah. even got a shot. And you know, because Vince, you know, all I hear is that Vince is the one. Like, I don't like this guy. This is going to be the guy. Well, the you know, it's like fucking Gladiator win the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> now, the story. As I'm watching the match, I'm trying to take my like. I'm just, I'm like, as as the matches, I'm like, okay, so uh, this is ha- this is going to happen. This right. is going to. Ha- I can't believe this is going to happen. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like, this is going to be the guy that's going to do it. Now, if if you have to have a when when you have, to have a story when Michaels retired, Ric Flair, over dramatic, but it told a story, and the Undertaker's old school, and this has been true. It was true for Michaels. It was true for Flair. Mm-hmm. When you retire, you go out on your back. You go out yeah. with a loss, putting someone over. Yeah, it's a classic way of doing. You know, it. now when Taker lost to Lesnar, in hindsight, perfect. It worked. It established the beast. It, it that's you know Lesnar still like. You know, it's he still gets that pop when he comes to the ring because he's a threat. He you can't yeah. you know he 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 now he he was the one in twenty one and one. Yeah. And now there it's twenty like we talked about last week. Now it's twenty three and two. Yeah. It should no 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 no. He sh- Taker should not have gone out at WrestleMania with the loss unless it was the Lesnar year. Right. In my this That's is just the my time opinion. It should have happened. Yeah. yeah. And that was two year three years ago. Like why? You know, and I mean, I was hoping it was because Sting was coming back. We could finally have like a classic match like that. Instead, we got Triple H versus Sting or yeah. NWO versus The Click. Yeah. Or Degeneration X, which I never liked Degeneration X. <laughs> Let me, I, did, I never liked half of Degeneration X. Put it to you that way. But yeah, uh, if it would have been, if you look at it just as a match and how they did it, it was good, I thought. Yeah. But there was no story there, it was forced. You have to, that Shawn Michaels was always talking about, you have to tell a story. Bret Hart would say the same thing. Like, you know, it's all about the story in the ring. Go watch the Stone Cold Bret Hart I Quit match. They tell a story in that match. And even if you don't know the buildup, you watch that match, you're like, it's coming, it's conveying what's happening there. That's what uh, separates a good wrestling match, in my opinion. Again, I've been out of the game for a long time, so I'm talking old school, you know, style, even though I I hate to say it, but Night WCW is old school now. As, uh, for the most, <laughs> it you know, is. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's still in four by three. Yeah, you know. So <laughs> again, I'm, and there's plenty of people out there that watch it way more than I do and know a lot more about it than I do now. So this is just again, this is just my perspective of being a casual fan these days, tuning in to see the legends. Uh, oh, and I just saw the clip, the Bray Wyatt match. Uh, we'll wrap on the Undertaker. Like, bottom line is, Undertaker. That it was a good retirement for him. The way they handled it. I thought, you know, it was like him, although it seemed like the trap door didn't trigger for a while because he stood there for yeah. like, I was like, I guess the trap door is broken for him to go down. But as soon as he did, as a Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it just, it, he deserved a better send off in terms of the storyline building the match. Let Reigns go heel. Then he takes that, he, then it would be genuine. Yeah. Then you make him a heel. Then you have, then he's earned, then, because then when the fans booing him works, 
They're going to turn. It's going to, it, that's the way wrestling works, like The Rock. Nobody liked Rocky Maivia. They, you know, boo, when, you know, we'd come out the nation. But as he started, he won him over. Yeah. They had, they had to make him, you know, the funny, oh, Stone Cold was funny too, but, you know, the, they had to make him an anti-hero type wrestler like Stone Cold was eventually. So I just think that the story should have been told better for that, you know, like, stay down. Stay down. Yeah. You know, that that was great. He had to beat him by like doing, and Rain, let's be honest, Reigns has the worst finishing moves aside from the I dude know. that rock bottoms himself. Superman punch. <laughs> and like, it's so dumb. Like, like he cocks it and then like, all he's doing is just pop, like, it's silly. And then spear. I mean, Goldberg, Edge. Yeah, they all that's do a, it. That's a common move. That's not a finisher anymore. But the fact that he had to do like 18 finishers to take her, that's yes. That that's what it should take. It shouldn't just be you know he beat he literally beat the shit out of an old man is what happened. Yeah, that's what. But was. again, the story the, the the story was not what it should it was not what Taker deserved to go out on. The storyline that Roman Reigns beats him. It's my yard now. Although I did hear what happened on Raw the next day night where like they booed him for like ten minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. And he couldn't get great. a word in, and then <laughs> this is my yard now. Whatever he said. But he controlled the crowd in that moment, even though they were yelling. That's what at him. I was. That's what I kind of thought. Like that. See, this is Vince. Knock, knock. Yeah. Make him a heel. Make yeah. him a heel right now will be the best thing you could do for that dude's career in the future. Yeah. That's what. And again, fair weather fan, casual. Although sure. now I was also disappointed with the Bray Wyatt match because I thought it was a good match and like he's doing all these weird powers with the ring. Like oh, like you know, because they're, they're they're making they're giving they're 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 pushing his gimmick. To where he's supernatural, whatever you want to call it, but then he loses. You yeah. know, it's like he does all these this weird shit, and and then oh, he loses. <laughs> like why? Like you have to have. We said it before. We talked about all the great movies and villains. Heroes only good as good as their villains. You have to, and, and wrestling's the same way. Like when Yokozuna was champion for like a year, and nobody could beat him, and it was like a race for second place, and then Bret Hart and Lex Luger had to fight him both. I think at WrestleMania ten. And it was a huge moment when finally Yokozuna was beaten. The villain finally got defeated. Although he had to fight twice in the night. So Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, you know, you had that back in the day. You had these uh characters who were just, oh shit, you know, can't beat them. And then finally build up, build up, finally, usually at a pay-per-view, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, one of the big ones. Boom. Now it's just like every pay-per-view, oh, uh, we gotta make sure Cena ties the record, or we gotta make Orton number three. So they're just handing the title out like candy, is what it seems to me. Again, right? Don't watch it every week. <laughs> so, but yeah. Anyway, that's Russell. That's my opinion of WrestleMania. You watch it a lot more than me. I mean, anything. No, you made a lot of good points. I agree. Oh, thank with you. Wrestling. Thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, that wraps up wrestling. Have you watched anything, Jesse? You want to talk about or mention? You saw uh, Power Rangers, so. Oh yeah, Power Rangers. Um, I give it about a five and a half, maybe. Worth seeing not very good. video pirating. Yeah, maybe like that. Um, not at the theater, though. Yeah, and the negative notes for me is the effects and the acting. Mm. Storyline was okay. Um, it's Power Rangers. It's Power Rangers, but I mean, you know, you have to introduce them somehow, and it was okay. But I mean, there was some like... I say the storyline was okay, but there were times they really dropped the ball. <laughs> Overall, the story was uh, was okay, but um, did they yeah, have is did they have the bullies skull and or briefly, very briefly, 
was it like the same? I mean, not the same actors, obviously, but I mean, like that, reference to the characters. It, that's all it is, is a reference. Bulk, bulk, that's it. Bulk and Skull, I think, was their names. Yeah, so, uh, I don't even remember. Um, they they say the name once. That's it, and that's they're gone. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised if some people didn't even catch it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's also like what fifty different Power Rangers iterations. Yeah, but at the beginning but of this, this is based on the original with you know yeah. that in the '90s. Getting these kids together was the worst part of it. Like the boring part, like the yeah, like the lead that I said did a decent job, and um, the guy that plays Billy. The, them coming together was okay. Everybody else was just kind of like. Oh, just sprinkle them in, yeah, because they all have to meet at this point, but they don't know each other. That's the whole point of the movies that they don't know each other, and like some of them are just like <laughs> it was like four of them were together, and the fifth one was like, "Hey, what are you guys up to?" Oh, you got superpowers too? It was literally that. Ugh. Hey, you guys are supposed to be here. I'm part of the group now. <laughs> That's my biggest complaint with any sort of reboot. Uh, where they have to like they have to they like, they have to overly explain the origin part of it to yeah. where that's most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like uh like I think the amazing Spider-Man where they like we see, we know the origin. We know what's happening. Which thing and finally with at least Batman versus Superman, you know, we get just in the opening credits, okay, yeah, we know it's Batman. Yeah. Throw Jeffrey Dean Morgan in there and uh Maggie from Walking Dead as well. <laughs> and then have that, you know, and then we're done with the origin. We're good to go. At this point, everybody knows who the hell Batman is. Yeah. And you know what? If you're a good screenwriter, if you're a good director, you got a good actor, you don't need to even show any of that because you can tell it in the narrative. Yeah. You know, and it's it's all those little things that make so many that that it's it makes a stark difference from a, a good film and a bad film. An intelligent film, and like again, goes and she's like, "Oh, her ghost is her soul. The shell is this body that we've artificially made for her." Just so you understand the title of the film, right? You know, repeat, it's like there's repeat, repeat. You know, it's not. Uh, it's just. It was like, definitely why? a kids' movie, though. Which is good. I mean, it is a kids' franchise, and yeah. it's not like. It's good that they didn't do that. Uh, they had that like web video where they had the chick from Battlestar Galactica, and like where there was like a dark little short film on YouTube. Well, Power Rangers. I oh, I didn't see that. But it was like R-rated and dark. I was like, oh, well, this interests me, but you know, oh, well, yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah, you know, that was I mean, a while back. I would love to see that, but again, this is a children's franchise. Yeah. But hey, you can make a web series with a dark one for adults like me that want to see something dark. Like, yeah, of course, I I like a Pixar movie or a kids movie that's you know that's good. Zootopia. I'm not looking at you because you should not have beat Kubo. <sighs> Sour grapes on that for me. And another thing, um, because it was a kids movie. Kind of ruined my experience as well because there were kids, the kids in the in theater. Mm. Ah, I hate kids. Little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's uh, all, that's pretty much all I've seen. Uh, oh, we did have the Walking Dead finale, which... Oh, yeah. yeah did you watch it? Or did you keep up? I mean, it, it, yeah, I do. Um, Meh. Yeah, it just felt like it, was, it felt like a mid-season finale, really. Yeah, there was, and then uh, in front of Ghost in the Shell, when they had the you know, little... Maria Menounos talks about these movies and things coming out. They had a preview for The Handmaid's Tale coming on Hulu, which my wife just read the book. She's super excited about it. So I'm paying attention to the trailer because I know she's going to want to watch it. Right. And I see the actress that plays Sasha's in it. So the first thought exactly. that went through my head was like, exactly. she's going to die before the season's over because she's in something else. I thought the exact same thing. And sure enough. Yep. <laughs> but, oh, God. I don't know. Like The yeah, season whenever- started strong and it was good and... 
it it's great. Anytime Jeffrey Dean Morgan's on the screen, I'm having a good time because right. he is fantastic. And we were so spoilers if you haven't watched it yet. Uh, we were so close to getting rid of Carl. I was, I, I, I kid you not. I was like, uh, when they had seen like Autumn, I'm like, I was like, please, please right. get rid of this kid right now. And of course, the most '90s movie thing ever happens to save him. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were very upset about uh, Carl in that last episode, uh, the one before the end, um, where he has the uh, the rifle and he. He's looking at it through his. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even up. notice that. <laughs> didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> Not that one. I mean, it's somewhere around here. I don't. Yeah, have, I, I don't I have, have it no queued doubt. up to go. But uh, yeah. <laughs> and then Michonne's fighting that chick on the roof. And I'm sorry, I'm saying the word chick if that offends anybody. It's, <laughs> I know you know. I don't know people are. I'm just saying. I'm, that's just. I'm not saying it disrespectfully. Because uh, now, because now, all of a sudden, you're not supposed to say girl. When you're talking about a woman, you're supposed to say woman, lady. That like not that that girl over there. You're supposed to say I'll take your word for it. That's that's just the latest triggered thing that I mean if somebody calls me boy, unless they're they're discipline like talking down to me, like, what are you looking at, boy? I'm like, ain't your boy, motherfucker. You know, as a just a descriptor to describe like oh I see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's got it on his right side, where his eye patch is, so I don't know what he's looking down at. Yeah, and he's right one there. of those off-shoot scopes to be able to look at yeah. it. Or just, yeah, yeah. But anyway. Or just give him a pistol. But how Michonne got her butt kicked by that, you know, garbage pail kid. Like, which I I, I don't, I, I guess they're in the comic, but that whole faction, like, take guns, sleep with you. I know. Perhaps, like, so I'm like, oh, this is, like, why? It hasn't been that long. The apocalypse was five years ago. <laughs> why are you having this, like, Mad Max speech? I don't know. <laughs> Aggravating. But again, anytime Jeffrey D. Morgan shows up, it's a win. I just when he's driving away flipping the bird, I'm just like, thank God he got away. Don't make the well, mistake. Of course, yeah. Because Well, that's another thing. They already signed him for next season. Well, so it's like I know he's not gonna die. I don't read the comics, but I know, spoiler alert, Negan's still in him. Yeah. Which is fantastic because you have to have an antagonist like that mm. in this like which is why when they again I've said it a hundred fucking times on this podcast. They should have made the governor a good guy. They had that episode where he transitioned. Still probably my favorite episode of the entire series. And then the next episode, yeah, that didn't matter. I'm going to kill people again. I got to kill Rick. Yeah. You know, straight up. Like, no, like, imagine how it would be right now if they were still, if he was still teamed up with Rick and then you have a Negan to deal with. Yeah. Like a conflicted <sighs> bad guy. Exactly. Or a it, good guy. But I... They, and a lot of people hated the fact how season two they're on the farm most of the time, like all the whole time. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind because it, it, it it's still, still early, progressed. I think, yeah. Now and then they're at the prison. Okay, we got him out of the prison. We got to get him out of this. You know, now, yeah. like, well, people complained that the governor was around too long. No, you have to have that because anybody. Look, look, if you don't know this, the zombies aren't the enemy in The Walking Dead. No, they're just set dressing. Yeah. Okay. They're not even it could have been called dead. it could have been called Alligator World where there's alligators everywhere and they gotta fight <laughs> alligators every now and then. It's the enemy is people. Yeah. And you have to have that. You can't just have Well they wouldn't call it alligator world. <laughs> of course not. But the walking, walking dead gators. is a reference to them. Yeah. The living. Yeah. Yeah. Well now, and if you didn't know that, watch the end of season one because that's where yeah, they we lay are it the out. Walking dead. Yeah. So <laughs> they actually say it. Yeah. That's the one point. I think, yeah. It was in the either, barn. In the barn. It was either, so season two. Yeah, because, well, the dude tells him that. He don't, they thought. don't say it. At the end of season one, the, the dude in the lab, before he blows it up, tells him, you're all infected. 
but yeah. that's why you're when you die, you know, you're all. So that's when like, oh, so they're the Walking Dead. Yeah. And then he tells the whole group in season two, like I think after Sophia dies or whatever, and that was a big thing. We're like, oh, we can't trust you now because you knew this. Doesn't make a hill of beans difference. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been Walking Dead podcast. Uh, yeah. You, but anyway, yeah. So uh, lackluster season finale. But again, as long as Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in it, I mean, I, I like what they have set up here. You know, I'm I'm interest, more interested in it than I've been in the last couple of seasons. Now that he's there, because it you know it just. And you have your throwaway episodes, but that's natural. But they need to, they don't need, they need to play the long game unless they're saying, unless they're going to, okay, we're going to end the series at 10 seasons. Okay, well then get it resolved. But I mean, it's AMC. They're going to, just like Breaking Bad, they'll, they'll, they're going to go a half season longer than they need to on Walking Dead before they finally pull the plug on it. Breaking Bad, I'm looking at you. Yeah. Uh, or put in a, a, a first half of a last season that's shitty and makes no sense for the characters and then wrap it up. But anyway, uh, yeah. So that's. I don't think they'll stop for gonna, a very long oh, time. Oh yeah, I mean they're going to keep it rolling. Yeah. Uh, they'll when when Rick or Daryl dies, that's yeah. when it's hurting. Right. That's the that's the marker. That's how you know. Like okay, that mean they needed ratings. Mm-hmm. It's that's this is the shark jumping part for this show. Because hmm. uh, they've teased it a couple of times. I, and honestly, at the end of the season, I thought it was going to be when they finally going to cut off Rick's hand because he's still carrying around that hatchet mm, on his yeah. waist. I was like, oh. Shit! Like this, this <laughs> fi- fi- Rick's gonna lose his hand now. But anyway, uh, that I guess anything else you've been want to bring up? Currently watching, playing? No, I'm good. Still trying to finish Mass Effect. Uh. Boring. Could have been better. Should have been better. That's all I've been playing. So that's about it. So next week, everybody, as I've mentioned and teased a couple times, it's gonna be the top ten comics of the '80s. Uh, anybody who's a comics fan, I guarantee you probably already know what's on the list <laughs> because there's a, it's a pretty undisputable, there's, there's at least half of them are undisputable that you can't argue that they're not the greatest comics ever mm-hmm. written and should be on the list. But anyway, we'll talk about more of that specifically next week. We do have a couple of emails I want to get to real quick. Uh, the first from our good friend in the UK, UK Lee, he says, Hey guys, love the Van Damme stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, really enjoyed listening to that. Also, the wrestling stuff you've been chatting about at the end is good, too. Hey, you like the, la- the last <laughs> two as well. Um, I used to watch it a lot, but not so much now. Same here. Uh, just a bit of TNA now. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, uh, now and then, but there is a nightclub just a ten, just 10 minutes away from where I live that puts a wrestling show on every two months, which I go to with friends from work, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, mainly British wrestlers, but they have a few ex-WWE and TNA wrestlers there each time. Met John Morrison and Drew Galloway a few weeks ago and Billy Gunn and Hardcore Holly last August. Pretty cool. I know all those except Drew Galloway. Don't know him. Uh, got a Mexican wrestler there called Pentagon Jr. on the 17th. So looking forward to seeing him. As I've heard, he has some sick moves. Uh, speaking of him and J- John Morrison, if you have Netflix, I don't know if you have it. I don't know if it's on the UK version of Netflix, but Lucha Underground, which I've talked about a couple of times. Yeah. Both Morrison and Pentagon Jr. Are on there. Uh, if you like, like, uh, that's, I don't watch, I have the network for now just for WrestleMania, but I'm addicted to watching Lucha Underground on Netflix because it's an hour long, telling the storylines, some explosive high-flying matches, which are my favorite. And it's really good. But yeah, Pentagon Jr.'s on there, and so John Morrison's like the f- pretty much biggest face on there too, at least where I'm at in the seasons. I don't know what happens. Uh, but if you you know if you like those guys, check out that show if you have it on Netflix there, Lee. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Like I said, it's bite-sized. It's only an hour long. It's easy to just watch an episode and, you know, 
But, uh, and by the way, thanks for letting me know about Beauty and the Beast. My girlfriend wanted to go see it with her and her friends, but after listening to what you had to say, I went to the gym instead. <laughs> As I agree with pretty much everything you say on films, hope you're both well. All the best, Lee. Thanks a bunch, Lee. I'm glad we could save you that. However... I'm glad you uh, listened to what we say, but just as a disclaimer, always yeah. check stuff out on your own because, sure. you know, friends agree on most things. But there's also some things you should disagree about because that's what separates friends from followers. True. So be a friend, Lee, not a follower. Be your own leader. But, yeah, be your own leader. <laughs> yeah, leader. But again, thanks for the email, my friend. We appreciate it. Uh, let me know uh, when, when you see Pentagon Jr. what you think about that in person. Because wrestling's really different when you do see it in person. Oh, for sure. You know, it's... Uh, it's much better. Yeah. Um, if you have good seats. Yeah. Like WrestleMania. Um, didn't have good seats. <laughs> we didn't have good seats, but it was nice to say that we were there. Well, yeah, but, we, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can never take away that we were at WrestleMania. Right. But uh, I do have a better experience in my living room. <laughs> yeah, you do. And I mean, I, I think I told the story before when we were at WrestleMania, like I had to keep stopping myself from looking at the monitor and like, no, watch the ring. Yeah. Watch the that's ring. Why we're here. That's, yeah, that's why we paid this money. Yeah. <laughs> For these, it's much easier to see, but at the same time, yeah, you know, of course, like some things that you have to look at that to see. Could you, you know, also not to go back to wrestling, but we never went to like the WrestleMania access. Yeah, I'm surprised but we didn't do that. It was so pricey though. I, mean, I priced it out because it was free. Red, I thought mm-mm, you had to get in when it came to New Orleans. Well, now, now it's free. Okay, it used to be. Yeah, because I remember reading that before to where like your WrestleMania ticket would get you into the Hall of Fame ceremony would get you into the access and other certain events in the area. But that year we went because I checked it out. Mm-hmm. At least, it, maybe maybe it was our level seats oh. could be. I'm not sure because I looked it up because I was like, oh shit, Shawn Michaels is going to be there Sunday. Bret Hart's going to be there Saturday. We can go down for the weekend and I can meet both of my heroes. And oh. I was like, wait a second, 70 bucks a person to get in and then wow. you know, free autograph Because they were giving away like WrestleMania tickets inside access. So, you know. You would guess that people without tickets would go to well, that. Well, next year we'll be there. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's free. Well, provided who's there, because again, I'm, I'm right. only watching WD for the Hardys now. Probably Undertaker's Hall of Fame. Yeah. See, see, that I would go to the Hall of Fame for. Yeah. And then depending on the car, WrestleMania, maybe just. Yeah. We'll <laughs> drive back, go to Access and drive back we got home. a whole year. But uh, also, one more email our good friend Ben Wyatt. Uh, in Tasmania, uh, of the, he says, Hey guys, of the Dirty Harry films, I've only seen the first one. I think it's good, but far too dark at times, and it's difficult to see what's going on. And yes, I'm aware that Guns N' Roses are in the Deadpool. Just YouTube it, Ben. Don't watch the movie. <laughs> but yeah, Dirty Harry, of course, the original, 1971, I think I said. You know, it has that 70s look, and it's it's just dark. I mean, when, it's, when it, there's black on the screen, it is jet black. You can't see through it. Which, I like that look. Like, Eastwood really maintains that look in his current films, too, I think, which... I know, he uses the same cinematographer. I don't know his name. Shame on me. But like, look at Million Dollar Baby. Same thing. But uh, I personally like that look. Not for every film, but uh, I do. It's very distinctive and gives it a very noir quality. Uh, and he also says, if I knew Jesse was such a big wrestling mark, then I would have sent more emails relating to that. My first thought for a wrestler that could be <laughs> son of Conan will be Braun Strowman. Uh, I think we talked about that a couple episodes ago. Uh, and then he, <laughs> a couple of days ago, this is. <laughs> this is <laughs> Okay. A couple of days ago, I had a really strange dream. For some reason, I was fired from my job and on the run from police. Then Autumn, my wife, calls him and says that Trey had 15 teeth with cancer removed and asked if I could donate six, but I said no and then woke up. Well, first of all, <laughs> fuck you for not helping me out, Ben. But a second thought, I wouldn't want anybody's teeth. I'd rather just have dentures. Dentures, yeah. I don't want other Let people's teeth go. in my mouth. Uh, I so, want real teeth. So <laughs> very odd dream there. 
Uh, try to dr- have a better one when, than I'm in and keep my wife out of your dreams, bub. Yeah. Uh, all in good fun, though. Uh, <laughs> and he also said, as I mentioned, he did see Ghost in the Shell because I mentioned his comment about it. Uh, and he says on this email that was sent on Friday, March 31st, I'm about to go see Ghost in the Shell. I think the original is overrated and really don't see what the fuss is about it. Have you guys seen the original? Question mark. If so, what do you think about it? We kind of talked about that earlier. Uh, so in a nutshell, I don't think it's overrated. I think... Uh, I'm sure some people probably overrate it themselves, but I think in if you look, and we'll talk much more in depth about this when we get finally get to anime month as well uh, with the 80s animation films, it was a big step up from a lot of what came before. So I think I think it's deservedly praised. Uh, but I don't run in anime circles much anymore, or I don't, so I don't know what's been said about it since I was actively watching, you know the limited releases that we got in the U.S. from Japan at that time. And Ghost in the Shell was a big one that when it was released, that I remember when it came out, watching it on VHS, and then like the next time I went to Sam Goody at the mall, the anime section was a whole rack instead of being split with the porno rack. Mm. I mean, I used to go in and there was one little rack that had Vampire Hunter D, you know, a few selections on VHS, and the other half was the porno. And the next time I went out, shortly after Ghost in the Shell, because it popularized it so much over here and people wanted to see more stuff like that, really kind of blew up, at least in my neck of the woods. Yeah. You know, so I can only speak from my personal experience. But uh, I do like it. It's not my favorite. But I, I like, I just watched it last night. And like I said earlier, like, I, I see why it was so important in terms of, like, progression of that medium and how it got a lot of people into it. Uh, so, again, I don't think it's overrated, but I don't think it's, I don't think it sucks. You know, bottom line, uh, I like it. Not my favorite. Uh, P.S. Even if this movie sucks hard, then at least I get to see Takashi Kitano on the big screen for the first time in my life. Same here. Like I said, <laughs> I just couldn't help it. But scream, don't get eliminated every time he did something badass. So good to hear from you as well, my friend. I'm sure we'll talk again on Facebook shortly, and hopefully in uh, hopefully in person next year at WrestleMania. If you yeah. come into our neck of the woods, like I said, if you're planning on it, we'll work it out. We'll you know show you around to take you see everything and. Make sure you have a good time in the Big Easy. But until then, everybody, of course, uh, let us know what you think about anything we talked about. 80srevisited at gmail.com. I said all that earlier, uh, especially Twitter. Our seven followers don't tweet about <laughs> us too much, so we want to bump that up. Because I'm trying to stay on Twitter, but I just like, oh, there's nobody talking about it. Yeah, it's oh, un- wait. uninspiring whenever people yeah. are Oh, following. Ben released a new episode. Let me share that. Okay, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. so go but follow anyway, us. Yeah, follow us on Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate it. And just, you know, just talk to us. Uh, that's we do we do you know i, I can't address you with this podcast because i like to hear the sound of my own voice talk about movies and find kindred spirits like uk lee and uh ben in tasmania and john in riverside california and all over the yeah. world that we've had the fortune been fortunate enough to talk to uh, via email or twitter wherever I, not twitter <laughs> but facebook <laughs> or whatever <laughs> that's what i'm you talking know, so about now. it's just a conversation <laughs> and you know join in on if you got an opinion because i'm not perfect i say i misspeak all the time because i was listening to last week's episode and i called sudden impact maximum force and i, I used all these different adjectives <laughs> interchangeably so many times because they were so confusing because we talked about maximum overdrive and there was instead of magnum force it was maximum force mag maximum impact so you know just let us know how we're doing we love to talk so well, yeah. i love to talk yeah, I'm not going to speak for Jesse because you know he's his own man. Yeah, but uh, that's right. In fact, he I'm the producer. Yeah, <laughs> you want to comment on his producing? Yeah, let him know. I shouldn't even have a mic. That's <laughs> no, it's better that way. I know it is. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be a real boring podcast. Well, <laughs> you got because we I, had a co-host. Yeah, looking at the empty mic, yeah. <laughs> we had several co-hosts. It's just sitting there empty, waiting <sighs> for the right person to come along and worm their way into our hearts. Yeah. 
So, but until next time, everybody, next week, as I said before, we're going to talk about comic books, 80s comic books. Uh, going to take a little step away from the movies because we did that a lot in it's our 80s infancy. 80s revisited, after all. Exactly. Uh, so, 80s comic books. Tune in next week. Until then, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga. this show and more on facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on twitter at awesome pods